uh, went in there and they said, oh, what radio station you want to listen to? And um, I wanted to relax, you know, Smooth FM. And what do you know? While I'm in there, uh, they've got someone on there talking about my injury. Shattered Seagull, Tom Trebojevic has spoken for the first time of his devastation at suffering a season-ending shoulder injury. While I'm stuck in an MRI, <laughs> headphones on, can't move, and they're talking about Tom Trebojevic's in injuries, and I just wanted to rip that machine apart. Yeah, can I set the mood for the rest of it? What would you say to someone right here, right now, listening to this, who really is struggling? Probably find what you love doing and go and apply yourself 100% to it. Tom, he's got another aerial origin try. Well, he is an absolute freak, Tom Trebojevic. Broker, Tom Trebojevic will reach out and score. Here's Tom Trebojevic into open space. He puts the foot down. Here's Trebojevic, Tom Turbo Trebojevic. Trebojevic, he has been in everything. Mitchell's got Trebojevic with him and Turbo goes in for another. Three brothers playing for the same NRL team. What, what do you think, Tom, when you look at that photo? But what is so special about this for me is you've got Luke who doesn't play foot anymore, you know, still loves the game. How happy he is for all three of us. The idea of positivity and how to bounce back from, you know, mistakes during a game or bounce back from setbacks, whatever it is. And, that really resonated with me. I was someone that in a game would hold on to mistakes. He taught me how to flick the switch, be neutral and move on with the game. Crystal ball, what do the next few years look like for you? Optimise performance through adapting your physical, psychological and emotional state. Hey, it's Andrew and welcome to another edition of the Performance Intelligence Podcast, the podcast about all things human performance. Today we're playing to you a recent live recording of an interview I did with Tom Dvojevic. This interview was in front of 450 defence personnel from Army, Air Force, Navy and APS, Australian Public Sector. Tom and I sat on a stage at ADFA, the Australian Defence Force Academy in Canberra. We had a live conversation in front of a wider group and then towards the end of the conversation, we went to Q&A. We wanted to play this conversation for you on a couple of reasons. One, it was really moving. Tom opened up about the trials, the tribulations, the highs and the lows of what it has been for him, his journey as an elite athlete. We also want to play to show you what a live experience is like with one of our integrated mindset masterclasses. Really hope you enjoy this podcast and like on all of our episodes, we'd love you to go to your favorite podcast app, subscribe, and while you're there, if you've got a few more moments, leave a rating and review. Now let's get onto the conversation I recently had with Tom Trevojevic. Tom Trevojevic is an Australian professional rugby league player known for his versatility and exceptional skills on the field. He was born and raised in Sydney, Australia, and has Serbian descent. Tom is part of the Trevojevic family of rugby league players, including his brothers Jake and Ben, who both play for the mighty Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. One person in the crowd went, woo! <laughs> Many more than one. <laughs> Tom played multiple sports growing up. We're going to discuss this, the difference between getting cross-training and specialisation. He was part of the Sydney Swans AFL Academy between the ages of 14 and 17. He also did nippers and lots of other sports as a young man. In 2015, he made his debut for Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. 
2021 was a standout season for Tom, where he won the coveted Dally M medal for Player of the Year, and he also won the Brad Fittler medal for New South Wales Player in the State of Origin series. He set a new season record for Manly, scoring 28 tries in just 18 games. Even my maths, Tom, knows that that's more than one per game. Yeah. Well, maths is actually my strong suit. So yeah, 28 tries in 18 games, it's a pretty special year. It is your strong suit because your career, while hampered by injuries at times, you maintain an optimistic approach and a focus on continually improving yourself in the future. We're gonna talk about that in today's presentation. You've got a Bachelor of Commerce majoring finance. Oh. <laughs> Not just a footballer. <laughs> <laughs> and you've just recently published a book called The Turbo Part. So Tom, welcome. Oh, thanks, Maisie. Thanks for having me. Now, I work with Tom at Manley. I'm the mental skills coach, so we've been working together for the past year. Today, we're going to talk about five or six key areas. We want to talk about you and your DNA. You look at the four Trebojevic boys, like they've, they've got the DNA. We'll look at that. There's a photo I think we've got coming up as well. We're going to talk about mindset and training your brain. You've done a lot. Well, you did, you told me nothing at the start of your career. Then you did a fair bit and now you're specialising. Three, we're going to talk about your rock star year. Can I say rock star year 2021? Yeah, I'm okay with it. <laughs> Wait till I give you the stats. It's pretty amazing. Then we're going to talk about setback, struggle and resilience. We've spoken quite a lot today about the ups and the downs, how you've learned to navigate that as a young man. We're going to talk about teamwork and then the crystal ball. But before we start, I think we've got some footage, a highlights package. Let's take a quick look. Tom, he's got another he is an absolute freak, Tom Trebojevic. Broker, Tom Trebojevic will reach out and score. Here's Tom Trebojevic into open space. He puts the foot down against Brimson and he wins the race. Here's Trebojevic, Tom Turbo Trebojevic. And a oh. flash oh. Trebojevic, <laughs> Trebojevic. He has been in everything. Mitchell's got Trebojevic with him and Turbo goes in for another. When you, yeah, thank you, yeah. Thanks guys, thank you. When you see footage of yourself like that, what, what do you think? Is it weird? Like you've got a crowd here of people of defense, APS looking at you. What, what do you think when you look at yourself on the big screen like that? Yeah, I, I don't really enjoy it. It's not, I don't like, you don't play it for the individual acknowledgements and to get up here and look how good I am. You, you play it because you love the game and you want to be successful. And you know, these are a byproduct, I guess, but yeah, it's not, it's not really me getting up here and, and watching myself and thinking how good I, am I. So uh, I don't enjoy it too much, but... It's better than doing reviews on a Monday where you talk about missed tackles, drop balls, and, and, and some of the games we haven't won. That must feel a little bit better than that. Well, it does feel better, but hey, they're an opportunity to learn from the lessons that went wrong and you can get better. Uh, can't get much better just watching yourself go well. So uh, look, it's all part of it. Um, obviously, had a really good year a couple of years ago and you know, you get the highlights packages on the back of that, which, which happens, but um, it's not really me sitting up here watching myself. Well, there's another photo, and if I get my clicker working, my clicker is working, thank you. Your journey, we're gonna talk about, first of all, a young Tom. Here are oh, some of the people in the front row going, ah. Oh. So we, we put a photo up, there's a very young you on the right. Talk to me about that. That's obviously playing rugby league. Look at those skinny little legs. How old were you there? I reckon I would have been about five years old then. So a bit of background on, on our family. So Jake's, Jake's our oldest and first year under sixes, he actually played soccer. Absolutely hated it. And apparently, I don't really remember myself, but was disinterested, didn't know the rules, didn't want to do it, would cry 
going to, to the ground to play, absolutely hated it. So they met some friends, they said, you should try rugby league. And he did that when he was seven years old. And I still remember my first you know, memories of, of rugby league was going to watch Jake play. And I just wanted to, to play that and Jake absolutely loved it. And you know, when I was only five years old at the time, dad never let us play because the, the youngest age was under sixes and apparently you had to be the right age to do that, whatever. Um, so it wasn't until uh, that next year that I got an opportunity to play. So that's one of the first times, you know, wearing that, wearing that jersey on the right there in the moment about, and I absolutely loved it. And, you know, I've been playing footy now for, God, you know, 20 odd years and never looked back. You and I have spoken about this personally, that a lot of parents will have their young child, young boy, young girl, and they get really excited when they're in a development squad at 12. And then they often burn the kid out and they're not there at 15 or 16. So you did, my understanding is cricket. And I did some research, I did speak to your brothers. Uh, ben actually got back to me this morning. Tom's younger brother, Ben, is in Bali on an end of season trip. I'm gonna read out a text from him in a moment. I would love to read that text myself. Because <laughs> <laughs> all I was getting was photos with Bintang, so. Um... But you, you're really clear on this if a young child or a parent asks you about specialisation. So you did play rugby league, but you played AFL. You were in the Sydney Swans Academy from 14 to 17 years of age. So that's critical years, those developmental years. Talk to me about that. Yeah, so we played a lot of sports. I, I did nippers, you know, cricket, basketball, you name it. And I think that's a really important part of, of being a kid is you've got to go out there and try different things and see what you enjoy and see what you're, you're passionate about. You know, your friends might make, you know, friends for a lifetime there. So you go out there, you try things out, you, you become passionate in something, you go out there and, you know, you work hard towards it. And that's just not only in footy, it's in life. So. Uh, Dad was actually a massive AFL fan, still is, uh, probably liked it more than league, maybe not now that we play so much, but uh, when I was, I think I was 13 years old, Dad said, you should try AFL, you'd be really good at it, and I, I played for four or five years, I wasn't really good at it, I went okay, but I really enjoyed it, like I still watch AFL to the day, I love the sport, and I've got a lot of respect for what, that, what they can do, because it's an awesome game, and I think that's just about being a kid, you go out there, you try different things, and you see what you like. Hey, it's me. Just a quick note, I'd love you to subscribe to the Performance Intelligence Podcast. And I know, you probably hear this on so many other podcasts and like me, you switch off. But can I ask you to please go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. And while you're there, extra bonus, leave a rating and review. That's it. Now let's get back to this week's episode. What do you think AFL has taught you about rugby league? Because who in the room is a rugby league fan who when the rugby league comes off turns on to abc or turns the tv off okay so we've got more in the room who are fans but we're just for those uh, just a round effort what what do you think the skills and i think there's a real learning in this because the sum of the skills we collectively do over a period of time gives us a broad range of skills there's a great book that i've given to nearly every corporate client of mine called range by David Epstein, and he talks about doing lots of different activities, compound and give you a broad range of skills rather than just being the one trick pony. So how do you think AFL has helped your NRL career? Well, definitely uh, in the vision side of things. Like I think people look at rugby league and it's such an intense game, it's very physical, and they'll probably hold it like very highly on, in that regard compared to an AFL. But when you look at you know, rugby league compared to AFL, rugby league, you're only seeing things in front of you. Uh, you only face with things that you can see. In AFL, they're coming from every angle and you've got to have that 360 degree vision to be able to predict something. And, and, and learning that was really hard. Like it's, it's quite scary if you're back into a contest and someone's coming hard behind you, you know what I mean? So learning 
that different aspect of it was, was really helpful for my career. And I, I think that, you know, added a lot to my game. When you talk about different things coming at you, sometimes I have to do a double take because I see three people that look very similar coming at me. At, at Manly, it's you, your brothers as well. You've got Jake there, you've got Luke, you've obviously got Ben. So when you look at that photo, I'm like, look at the DNA. You know, the, the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. So when you look at that picture, three brothers playing for the same NRL team, which is unheard of. I think in history, you could count on one hand how many times people have done that. What, what do you think, Tom, when you look at that photo? I see one really good sort on the left and the rest are <laughs> mediocre. But no, that's probably one of the best photos that, uh, like I've, that will forever be up in the household. One, because uh, a bit of backstory, Ben hadn't played too many games before this. So this was one of the, the first game that he actually started, that we all started together. And he was kind of the hero of the day. He scored two tries, had an absolute ripper. But what is so special about this for me is you've got Luke who doesn't play foot anymore, you know, still loves the game, how happy he is for all three of us. I think that's something that I definitely take from that. You know, he's a great kid, Luke, and you know, you could, you could sit there and he could be angry that he's not out there with us, but he's not. He's just so happy for us and what we've done, and that's a real credit to him. Are you his dad or his brother? He's a great kid, Luke. <laughs> well, sometimes I think I am his dad, but um, no, he's a brother. He, he, oh, he's not a kid anymore, but you know what I mean. Uh, well, you, you, you look at them. And I've said this to you. I've, I've learnt from the Travoyevich boys when we go to a manly function. So we had the awards night two weeks ago. I, I rock in there. You're all on the same table. You go to social functions, you're all together. And I told you this recently, I've got a younger brother, Mark, two years younger than me. Uh, Jed is his nickname, he's a fireman and a bricklayer. We've been, like, we're very, very different. You've made me closer to my brother, you boys. So I feel a bit emotional on that, and I'll give you a hug at the end. Not yet, sort of too early in the interview. But have you had other people say that to you? Like, I genuinely, uh, thank you, I thank your brothers, just seeing the love and the connectivity you've had. I left a function, I thought, I'm going to ring my brother. Because when, when I look at that, and like you said with Luke, he's not playing, but that camaraderie, the love, the connectivity, got to give mum and dad a bit of a rap too. I think they've done a pretty good job. Oh, massive, massively. And mum will listen to this uh, interview and she'll be very, very taken back by that because, you know, that's something in my DNA that was really important to us growing up. You know, we're very family orientated and we would always stick by each other. And mum and dad were awesome in driving that. And I think it's a credit to them that, you know, we've all turned out okay. So uh, they've done a great job, absolutely love, love the both of them and they've been awesome for us. Some of the research I did, I wanted to talk to brother Jake and I asked him three questions. Oh, good. I told you there were a few surprises. I didn't want Tom to know everything. <laughs> I gave him some touch points, but right, when you're working with an athlete, you've got to keep them on the edge of the stage. So I said, Jakey, three questions, mate. Number one, what do you most admire about brother Tom? Question number two, what's the most annoying thing about him? And number three, give me a funny story. Do you want to start with one, two or three or do I just go in normal order? I feel like the people want to hear the funny story. Well, let's start with the funny I, story. I number want to three. hear it myself, let's actually, work backwards. I'm quite interested by this. He said, uh, as, a, as a kid, he was a bit of a unit. These days, he's pretty switched on. As a kid, he wouldn't play cricket unless he had to bat first, and then he'd burst into tears when he got out. He was a real <laughs> sook. Do you know what? That's not actually a funny story. I'm quite proud of that. <laughs> and I will go into why. I will... I worked out at a young age, so there's four boys in, in the family, you know, cricket season would play cricket, footy season would play footy. And I'd worked out quite early that you need all of us to play. You need one bowling, one batting, one keeping, and you need one in the field or it's very hard work. So what I would do is say I'm batting first. 
well, I'm not playing. And what do you know? They needed me to play, so I batted first. <laughs> Smart kid. And then what do I do if I got out before I wanted to get out? I would have a cry, run inside, and all of a sudden I'd be back out there batting again. So <laughs> that's not funny or embarrassing. I'm quite proud of that. <laughs> Your three brothers are going to listen to this and go, you bastard, you got us, but... Well, let's go to number one. I said to Jake, what do you most admire about Tom? And you go, I love Jake's passion, right? Jake has played multiple games. He just clicked over 200 for Manly. He's played regular games for New South Wales State of Origin. As we speak, he's in Papua New Guinea for the Prime Minister's 13. And uh, we're hoping he gets picked as well for the end of season playing for the Kangaroos. And he's still as passionate. Like you see Jake before a game. It's like he's just in his under eights, isn't he? His passion is contagious. It's unbelievable. And if you hear Jake talk around a game, footy or halftime, whatever it is, if, like, you just follow him because the amount of care he has for, you know, for teammates, for the club and everything, it's just really special. So this is what he said about you, and this is quite special. What do you most admire about Tom? Without doubt, it is his mental toughness. We've been speaking about this this morning. Tom is one of the toughest people I've ever met. He's just so mentally strong and resilient. When he got injured again during the year, I was so worried about him, but he just went on about his business. I was shit myself. I didn't know how he does it, but he just, stays, he just stays so positive. And no one will ever beat him to doing more training or being more professional about his approach. The effect Tom has on the team is when he plays, we win. Yeah, well, that is, that is quite special. You know, Jake's uh, been an awesome big brother to me and to hear such kind words, it's, um, yeah, you get a bit emotional. Like, I'll give you a bit of back, background to, to Jake. You know, he, what he did as a child, because he wanted to play rugby league was special you know he was so committed to this dream and he you know thought so many things that he had to do to, to be a rugby league player and he lived that out and for me it was just follow jake and i'll achieve anything and i still remember sitting there on the hill watching his debut being so proud of him and and you know just wanting to be like him and follow him and and, and that's what i did and you know i'm lucky enough to to play alongside him now and ben's come along and, and joined that journey as well so we're, we're all very lucky I feel really disappointed about this next question because I'm going to burst the bubble because I said to Jake, what is the most annoying thing about Tom? He said, oh, that's easy. How long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not annoying. He said his competitive side is also the most annoying thing. He's probably the most, correction, he is the most competitive person I know. And I can, you know, Jake, amazing. everything we did as kids, it had to be a full-on test match. Everything was a test match. Even when Ben and I do running sessions with him, he has to try and smash us. But I actually love him, Maisie. Uh, you'd have to give him out eight times in cricket. Um, he'd never walk. He's the most competitive person I've ever met. So he said it's good and bad. That's another compliment I'm taking. <laughs> I, I was a very competitive kid. Um, yeah, I hated losing, still hate losing, but I've learned to deal with it a little bit better now. But yeah, just love competing, love the contest. And that's why, why I play rugby league. I want to be successful. I want to compete at the highest level. And, and yeah, it's, it's always been in me. We'll dial in young brother Ben from Bali, who after a third prompt got back to me this morning. <laughs> I'm not surprised it took that long. Hey Maisie, sorry mate, I've been away in Bali. So, didn't see this earlier. For number one and two, I actually totally agree with Jake. He told me what he said. I admire how resilient Tom is and how hard he trains and how much he applies himself to everything. But it's also very annoying when you train with him because he just makes you look bad. Can you ask him just once to make me look good? I actually quite enjoy training hard and I get a good kick out of it. You train hard with other people and, and you see them not be up to your standard, I guess, and you get, you get, you get a lot of enjoyment out of that. So I'm going to continue to do that. But uh, to, on Ben, Ben's 
he's a, he's a really good kid, really good kid, and he's uh, played some awesome footy this year, and uh, he's really coming to his own. It, it, it probably would have been really hard for him to come on, and um, you know, you've got Jake and myself in the team, but the way he's come in and, and made a name for himself, it's a, it's a real credit to him. You know, I'm really proud of him, and uh, I'm going to keep training him hard because I know that will get the best out of him, but if that annoys him, that annoys him. Another area that you train really hard is mental skills. It's a topic you know I'm really passionate about. It's my role. Uh, we say that you can train three key parts when you look at high performance. You can train your craft, that's what you do, your job. You can train your body, that's the strength and conditioning work. And you can train your brain, the reps and sets to be calm under pressure. Uh, and I'd like to talk about this in three areas. So can you go back when you made your debut at 17 or 18? You told me recently in a coffee shop in Manly, when we were having a bit of a chat about this, you said, when I was 17 or 18, mate, I spoke to no one. You were intimidated by the players in the team. Then can we go to the mid-range, some of the great work you did with Johnny Novak, and then what are you working on now? So when you started, middle, and now. Yeah, so at a mental skills standpoint, when, when we come into first grade, you were base level. You didn't really get any info on that. You could probably, if you wanted to go and try and see a psychologist or whatever to get help on it, you could. But... Being an 18-year-old kid, I, I didn't didn't receive any mental skills coaching, and it wasn't until Des Hasler, the great Des Hasler, came in, in in 2019, and he brought a guy called John Novak, who's a really good guy, really good guy, and he brought the idea of positivity and how to bounce back from you know mistakes during a game or bounce back from setbacks, whatever it is, and that really resonated with me. I was someone that in a game would hold on to mistakes, and uh, you know 10 minutes later still be thinking about them, and he taught me how to flick the switch, be neutral and move on with the game. And I think that was really you know, helpful at the time. To now, I practice that along with exercises such as pre-performance routines, you know, the breathing that we did before, you know, journaling, gratitude, all those things that get me in a really good mental state to be the best athlete I can. Because I've come to realise that the mental part of it is so important. You know, rugby league's a hard game. You've got to get up for it week in, week out. And there's 24... You know, it was 27 rounds in a year now, plus finals, plus extra games that you may be involved in. So you need to be, you know, strong mentally to help you get through that and manage that. How do you also get away? Because we know high performance, it's periods of intensity where you're focused and then you've got to downregulate, you've got to drop the intensity. Can you do that? Because I've been out with you regularly and people come up and you're very pleasant. Can I get a photo? It's different to the normal person, right? So can you go to the beach? Can you go somewhere and just chill? Well, you can, and you, I, I, I don't really struggle with the, the down regulating. You know, I've got a really good family and partner, and and you know, I've got things that I do outside of footy that help that. But I think the sooner, you know, I, I came to accept that that's my role within society. I need to be a role model. I need to, you know, if a kid asks for a photo, I need to give him 100% of my attention. The sooner I accepted that, I was able to deal with it better, because ultimately, you know. That's, they're just a kid. They're just a kid asking for a photo. Give me your attention and move on. And the sooner I was able to accept that and, and, and deal with that, then that I would have those down moments. And, and you know, if, if 100 kids come up today and stood here and got a photo with me, I would give every one of them my time and then I'd move on with, with whatever I had rest in the day. So it's something I, I learned with at the start. It is hard because you're not really, you don't really get training on it. You don't really get taught how to deal with being in the limelight, et cetera. So, um, it's something I learned over time and uh, I feel like I'm really good at dealing with it now. So if we go to the mental skills you said like of recent times, so breathing, some of the mindfulness work, journaling, do you want to pick one of those and go a little bit deeper just to give people in the audience just an understanding of what you do, how you look at it? Like I think sometimes we look at athletes and high performance and think 
oh, they're lucky or they've got it easy. But you can just pull something apart that you found difficult. So pick something you're comfortable sharing around the, the psychology or the mental side and give us a bit of an insight into how you've learned some of those skills and maybe fish-tailed or wobbled when you first started. Well, going to pre-performance routine, is that something that, that would be beneficial? But So we talk about consistency in performance and how it's integral to being you know, in a game for a long time and, and keep getting better and you need to be consistent with that. And, you know, why are we not being consistent with our routine? So what we did was we put together a thing I'll do the night before a game, the morning of, and, you know, two hours to 60 minutes before a game, a routine that I would put in place that would help me, you know, get in a routine for optimal performance. So that was something that, that I really benefited from and it, and it also helped me manage my arousal levels. Uh, when I talk about that, you talk about the, the graph, I'm not too sure uh, what, what the exact name of the graph is, but how do we get to peak arousal? You know, we're not under arousal, we're not over arousal, we're at the peak level of um, arousal and that pre-performance routine helps that and it has you know, strategies in there that if I'm not feeling aroused enough, what do I do to get up to that level? Or if I'm too nervous, how do I bring myself back? So those things are just really helpful to get you in the best position to, to play the best game you can. Were you doing that leading up to 2021 or is that just something you've only added in the last year or did you have some sort of routine and you've just sharpened it? Uh, you have some routine and you just sharpen it. It's just about sharpening, um, getting better with it. And I think if I look back to 2021, you know, I kind of, it all came off the back of it, a negative start to my, to my year. And, you know, I really flipped my mindset. I changed things I wanted to do and, and it just really it worked and I got really confident in the process and I just kept sticking with it and sticking with it and sticking with it and um, ultimately ended up in a great you know, season for myself and, and the club. And Can you back really the track up? Because I was going to go through your stats and uh, strap yourselves in, ladies and gentlemen, they're big stats for 2021. My ears pricked up when you said that. It comes on the back of adversity. So what, what happened at the start of the year? Yeah, so I'll take you back a couple of years before that. So the last couple of years, uh, 2019 and 2020, I, I didn't have the best years with injuries and I missed a lot of game of footy. And coming into the 2020 season, 21 season, I hurt myself uh, outside of training and was going to miss, was gonna miss the, the, the first five weeks. Is that and in the paper? It was in the paper. It was in the paper that probably that I did it running down a uh, Corso. It wasn't the case, but people can think what they want. It doesn't really matter. And, um, yeah, it was, it was really hard to deal with at the time and, you know, I, at that time, well, let's go back. So 2019, 2020, I, I was getting a lot of injuries and I probably wasn't dealing, dealing with them very well. I wasn't able to accept them because I probably wasn't doing everything I can to be the best you know, person I could be and the best footy player I could be. And it was really hard to, to accept those injuries and, and move forward. And I never really did. And... It wasn't until I got that injury in, in 2021 where I, I go, I really need to have a good hard look at myself here and go, what can I, what do I want to be? Do I want my career to fizzle out or do I want to be some, someone that I can be proud of? And that's when I started making decisions that really changed my life. You know, I, I, I go, every decision I make is going to be the best for my rugby league career and it's going to be the best person I can be. So if I do that, at least I can live with the, the consequences that come my way. So on the back of that, you know, I... I adopted that mindset and, you know, went forward and, and had this unreal year, I guess. It was okay. It was. It was okay, but we don't need to go into it, mate. We're going to. We're going to because I've got them in front of me. I've done the research. Do you know what the stats are? Which stat, though? 2021. Tries, uh, try assist, metres per game, offloads. I'm not that in-depth. 
Just no tries. Well, you're a numbers man. All right, I'll do it for you. The article in the Sydney Morning Herald says 2021 saw Tom Travojevic produce arguably the best ever season by an individual player, finishing with 28 tries, 28 try assists. He averaged 221 metres per game. If you know nothing about rugby league, you get 100 metres. That's a good score. 124 tackle breaks and 33 line breaks from 18 games. His 28 tries included five hat-tricks and saw him set a new club record for most tries in a season for Manly. He finished on 35 points, five ahead of Nathan Cleary and just one vote short of the all-time record held by Jonathan Thurston. Oh, thank you. Thank you, guys. Okay. Yeah, it was okay. It was, it was an enjoyable year. We actually, during the year, it was uh, in the middle of COVID, we got relocated up to the sunny coast and you know, we really connected as a team up there and it brought the best out of everyone. The game I remember, I didn't know you then, and knew obviously who you were, game one state of origin. You had a, a floating role. Uh, you were playing wing, but you were given permission to, to float and rotate. So normally as a centre, you'll be on either left or right side. I think Freddie Fittler gave you permission to, to rotate. I've never seen you play. I don't think I've ever seen a back have a more dominant game. It just looked like you were playing against young kids. How did that game feel for you? Oh, it was a lot of fun. I remember starting the game and just being in a zone where I was just so into it and just moving around everywhere and trying to do everything and having an absolute ball. And you know, I'd done a, had a really good first 10 minutes and I looked at the clock and I, I realised only 10 minutes had gone and it felt like I'd been out there for ages. So I'm gonna have to calm this down because I'm getting very tired, very fast out here. But uh, it was, yeah, it was kind of on the back. I was really confident that I could make a difference in a game. And I, I, I know I was playing centre, but traditionally playing fullback, I'm used to floating around the field. And I just went out there and, and played my usual role and, and it, it worked for us. And, you know, we won by 40 odd that day. It was a great day for us. And, you know, everyone had a really good, really good game. So um, it's one to look back on and you enjoy those ones. And um, it's something I'm always proud of. So you look at 2021, it would have been lovely to go copy, paste, 2022, roll out the same, copy, paste, 2023, but that didn't happen. No, it didn't. So last year, 2022, I, um, round 11, I think it was, I diving for a ball that was, I later realised was dead. So ultimately the guy had knocked it on, but I didn't know that. I was trying to stop a try, dived out, went to put it out, uh, boat landed on my shoulder and popped it out and, you know, fractured the shoulder as well. So I had to get surgery and season was done just like that. And you know, I kind of talked about it before, but because I'd made decisions in my life that were, I was going to be the best footy player I could be, because I'd, you know, done everything I can to, to be the best person, be the best footy I could play, be, I could accept that. Like, it was hard, it was hard at the time. I didn't, I didn't, wasn't happy sitting there, but I could accept the injury and, and deal with it. And that helped me move forward. And I could, I could then go, I'm going to be in a sling for four weeks. What can I get better at? What's my next mission? What do I need to do to, be the best I can be after these four weeks. So then when I face the next challenge, the next mission, I go out there and do it again. And yeah, look at something, you know, similar to this year, I tore my pack in, in State of Origin 2 and out for the year. And I think that mindset uh, has helped me, you know, become a better athlete, become a better person. You know, and Jake talks about, you know, training really hard despite what I'm faced with. And, you know, I'm. Um, look, I'm really proud of what I've been able to do on the back of this the pec injury. Like I've hit some of the, the best times speed-wise I've hit this year and I'm the fittest I've been. So uh, that's a bit of the mindset I like to adapt and it's something that, that has helped me. You also uh, had a bit of time to do this. Have a look at the screen. 
You're an, an author, a best-selling author, the Turbo Pup. And this popped up uh, a month or so ago in my social feed. And I thought, you didn't tell me this. When, when have you found time to now become an author? So Dally M winner, he's got a degree in finance. There was an, an ad, does anyone remember that Han Premium ad? Uh, with, they had um, Daryl Kerrigan, uh, you would have been a young kid, and the, the overvoice was, how can one man have so much talent? How can one man have so much talent? And now you're applying your skills to writing kids' book. Tell us about Turbo Pup. Well, it's only a kid book. There's not many words in it, so... Um, <laughs> yeah, I built you up there, mate. Yeah, look, I'm just trying to bring myself back down. I don't need to be up this, uh, on this pedestal, but... So it started about 18 months ago. They, uh, Scholastics come to me and said they want to do a kid's book and, and you know, kid's picture book. And yeah, we just went on the back of that and it kind of all got done in the background, you know, a while ago and put together what I want it to be about, what message I want to send to the kids and we wrote it all together. And then it was kind of in the background until, you know, a couple of months ago where it come back out. So I forgot about it a bit myself. You know, my mum was asking the same questions well, you were asking to say, me. Yeah, you didn't tell uh, your mum. But you've got to tell your mum you're writing a book. Oh, God. Don't, don't get me started on, on that. But yeah, it was a really cool process, really cool process, and it's come out really well. And, you know, I'm something that I'm actually really proud of. And a lot of people are coming to me and say how awesome the book is, and their kids love it. And that's um, something that's really special to me. I think there's a lot of people here sitting, oh, God, Andrew gave me his book. I'd much prefer the Turbo Pup. So, <laughs> well, it's definitely time. a quicker read. <laughs> <laughs> Backed by science as well, some good rigor in it. What's that? Backed by science. Yeah. Well, yeah. No. <laughs> so if we're giving anyone a book today and you want to get an exchange for Turbo Pup, we'll allow that to happen as well. So like, did you not tell your mum? Did you forget to tell your mum? No, ask I that think question. I did tell my mum a while ago when I was doing it and she seemingly forgot. And then all of a sudden it was hitting the market and I probably didn't tell her that it was, was coming in a month's time. That's probably what I didn't tell her, but I definitely told her I was doing a book. So... Uh, I just didn't tell her it was out and you could buy it now. So she doesn't buy anything. No, I've got to give it to her for free because she feels like it's my, as my mum, she deserved it's, it's that. Paper. But I did get it for it's her. Paper. So um, Volume one, I can't see, but is there a series? Are you going to be the JK Rowling of kids' books? So is the Turbo Pup going to evolve? Are going to grow with him, learn with him? Well, that's the idea. So the idea was start a kids' book. We'll start him at a young age and then you know, we'll transform the, the dog, which is CJ, which is actually my dog as well, into me, and we'll follow the kid on the journey. So if all of you go out and buy it, uh, we should get a few sales and uh, we'll be on our way. <laughs> We're locking the door and not letting anyone out of this room until you... I, I just said that, teasing you. So that is the plan. It is to write a bunch of books. This is not just a one-hit wonder. Yeah, that's the plan. If it all goes well, you start with the kid's book and then the dog, CJ, transform in, into me, I, and we, uh, we follow the kids on a journey. and. Uh, yeah, it's something that's really cool and it's really cool to be a part of. You're holding back the smile. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Well, like it, it, when I was doing it all, you just didn't really understand. I did understand, but you probably didn't take it in what, what you're actually doing. And um, now you've got a you know, book that's in bookstores. Like not many people can say that. So, um, yeah. What if some of your teammates said, um, I, I won't pick any names, but like some of them, I just I, I laugh to think what some of your teammates at Manly have said about you writing a kid's book. Have you had any comments from your mates? Oh, they put some few photos up in the group chat spraying me, but I, I'm the admin of the group chat, so they just get kicked and we moved on. <laughs> There's a theme developing here, isn't there? So uh, let's talk about resilience. Um, have a look at this video. By the look of it, he's popped it. He's dislocated his shoulder. He'll be gone for the game, Tom. The arm, the arm stretched out here. And that's 
Oh, oh. that is uh, that's season ending by the look of it. Oh, no. Shattered Seagull Tom Trebojevic has spoken for the first time of his devastation at suffering a season ending shoulder injury. Uh, yeah, it will be mentally challenging in the fact that I've got so much time and there's no real um, goal of when I can play again. It's kind of just next year. So We need to do that for James Bracey. James, it's given me time to write a best selling book. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You turned away uh, on the videos. I can imagine that just brings back some flashes and you know, some of the pain of that moment. Yeah, that was a pretty painful one. Yeah, it's, it's not an easy watch, but uh, like I kind of said before, like I, I've got you know, mechanisms to deal with that now and, and you know, I think I've become a better person, better athlete because of it. A big theme that we've got in this whole program is it's not what happens to you, it's how you bounce back. It's the skills in life, all parts of our life, career, relationships, our personal lives, you know, as we mature, family members get older as well. And I've really seen that working with you, that you've got that foundation. Yeah, there's some big highs, but there's been some pretty big lows as well. What's your advice to someone listening to this who's going through a challenging time and they might go, it's all right for you, you're a footballer, you've got a different life. What would you say to someone right here, right now, listening to this, who really is struggling? What, what would your advice be to them, Matt? Probably find what you love doing and go and apply yourself 100% to it. And I think that's, that's what I found. Like, you know, I was going through some hard times, but the way I got out of it was, was you know, going back to who you are. What do you love doing? And then I go, okay, I love playing rugby league. I love competing. I love being a good person. So let's be the best person you can be and let's apply yourself 100% to being the best rugby league player you can be. And then whatever the outcome comes your way, at least you've been content, you're doing what you love and you know, you can get with whatever outcome you face. And that's something that I you know, tell myself often. Even when you say that, I can just hear, yeah, you're, rugby, you're a rugby league player, but you've always had interest outside. So you've got finance, you've done a little bit of consulting in that space. Uh, you, know, you do a lot of different work. You, uh, you go to the opening of an Esky League. If they ask you at Manly to go to a function, uh, I, when I used to work at the Australian cricket team, the guys would actually count how many appearances they had. And they go, oh, I've got to do one more and then I'm out of there. You're the opposite. So you're always engaging, you're always doing activities. Is that your parents or is that just something that you've always done? Have you even thought about why you're like that? I think I'm just grateful to be doing what I'm doing. Like, uh, because I've got this opportunity, I'm doing what I love. It's, it's not hard to go out there and, and you know, be a rugby league player and talk to people about play, playing rugby league. It's, it's not hard to do that. And, you know, I'm someone that, I'm, I'm a yes person before I'm a no, I'm, I want to get involved, I want to help people where I can. So, you know, you go back to what type of person are you? And like, I'm someone that I feel like I'm a good person that, that helps people. And that's something that, you know, I always hold, hold, hold within me above anything else. You know, rugby league comes after that. And, um, you know, I'll continue to, to do that throughout my life. And, and as you build a family and whatnot, and you know, hopefully I can pass those values onto them. Are you planning an upcoming conference or company offsite? For the past 15 years, I've averaged speaking at over 50 events each year, and I still love presenting at conferences as much as I did when I first started. To explore the different presentations I offer on a range of topics and themes, including physical and psychological well-being, becoming burnout-proof, connection and belonging, that's a new area I'm, I'm really enjoying presenting on, 
neuroscience and behaviour change, mental skills and leadership and culture. Or if you'd like to understand our fully integrated conference experience with pre-event diagnostics, activities throughout the agenda, including a morning wake-up, energy breaks, team-building activities and digital resources to embed learning. To find out more information and to download a brochure, go to andrewmay.com slash keynotes. Have you ever been to an event or a function that was a bit of a disaster? Is there a funny story? Have you gone to a barbecue? Have you gone somewhere and you thought, oh my God, how do I get out of this? I've done some interesting ones. The best ones are, so charity events, they go, oh, can we auction off um, you to play golf with two people? So you and your brother play golf with two people and you go out there and uh, you get some interesting characters on those days. And I don't know if anyone's played around of golf, but you get out in under four hours, you're doing well. So you've got a lot of time with them. And often, oh, you get some, yeah, you just go out there and you go, oh God, this is going to be a long day. And I'm trying to give the best version of myself and I'll do that, but it is going to be a long day. Well, are you allowed to uh, disclose what's the worst or the funniest question you've been asked in a four hour golf day? It's probably in the first five or 10 minutes and you just go, oh, this is going to be punishing. Oh, I don't think it's, a, uh, I probably can't remember the, the worst question, but it's just, you know, you're going to be talking about footy for four hours since I love rugby league. Talking about for four hours is not my go. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone in the uh, audience ever had uh, an MRI? Yeah, you know where I'm going on this. So when you have an MRI, you sit in this big metallic machine and it's silence. Apart from the, you can just hear the magnetism going around you. Now I know you had an MRI not long ago and you went in there and they said, oh, Tom, would you like to choose some music or something to listen to while you are stuck in the MRI for a considerable amount of time? You pick up the story. Yeah, so a bit of background. Uh, because I have faced so many uh, setbacks in, in my time, my body is a, a big talking point in, in the media. And unfortunately, game two uh, of the origin, you saw that up there, I reached out to, to tackle someone and tore my pack and uh, I pretty well knew my pet was torn and I think everyone knew it was torn as well and uh, at that stage I, yeah, it was, it was hard to, to deal with and my way to deal with it was just kind of escape everything. This was, you know, you know, 12 hours after it happened so, you know, my phone was off and I wasn't, I didn't want to hear people saying I'm sorry what, at this stage. I just wanted to, you know, be with myself, be with my family and, and whatnot but what you have to do is you've got to go get an MRI anyway. I was questioning why I needed to because we knew what would happen. But anyway, you go down there, you get an MRI and um, you find out what, what needs to get done. So skip, put it in the back door of the MRI place down at Castle Ray so the uh, media at the front couldn't see me and uh, went in there and they said, oh, what radio station do you want to listen to? And um, I wanted to relax, you know, with FM, of course. <laughs> and what do you know, while I'm in there, uh, they've got someone on there talking about my injury while I'm stuck in an MRI, <laughs> headphones on, can't move, and they're talking about Tom Trebovich's in injuries, and I just wanted to rip that machine apart. <laughs> How long would have you been in there listening to that for? Because an MRI is bad enough, right? You're there trying to relax, and then someone's banging on about you. It was early on, first five minutes of it, and uh, yeah, it kind of set the mood for the rest of it. Because you're in there for half an hour, 40 minutes, and you can't move, so... I couldn't really do anything about it. Uh, that's just another challenge I faced and uh, I'm better for it. 
Good segue, a challenge that the Manly Seagulls faced was from round 17 in 2022, the Pride jersey. If you look behind me on the screen, I'll put a few news clips from that period. Uh, Manly Seagulls boycotters finally break silence on Pride jersey saga. Des Hazler sacked as Manly Seagulls NRL coach. My family got death threats. I really don't like reading this. Uh, Manly Star reveals backlash following Pride jersey fiasco. That's big Josh Alloway, who's one of our spiritual leaders. Cherry Evans, confident Manly players will stick together. What does Des Hasler's, Hasler's imminent departure mean for the Trebojevich brothers? And that's one of multiple. So they must have been, a, a, they must have just been awful. Yeah, it was a hard time because a, a lot of things were getting written about us that weren't true. And because on the back of it, we didn't win any footy games, it just gets escalated. So it was a hard time at the time, but you know, Sieb's come in and, and did a really good job of trying to, trying to flick that switch, trying to change the narrative and we had a real focus on, on, on team connection. And I think that was a big part of our, of our pre-season. And I think where we're at a squad now is a really good culture we're built there. And I know we didn't reap the rewards from it this year, but I strongly believe that, that we will. 2024. So Seabs being Anthony Seabold, the Manly Seagulls coach, uh, you didn't know this was coming up, but this is the next bit of information I had. This is an article that was about a poker night at your house. Poker nights, golf days and ping pong, mateship driving Manly revival. If Manly's players looked a little weary on Friday, it was for a good reason, and it wasn't the normal rugby league after dark madness. Several Manly players did not go to bed until after midnight. <gasps> Tom Trevojevic. They wouldn't leave my house. You're Mother know this because they were playing poker at your house. They played for money as if Turbo needs any more. Well, I, I, they took my money very quickly and <laughs> then all of a sudden I wanted them out there and they're like, that's not how this works. Uh, what I love about this as well, it spoke about Josh Alloway, who was incorrectly targeted as the leader of the, you know, the Pride round. Uh, Josh was really sticking up for a lot of the Pacifica boys as well. We won't go into that today, but you know, he's got a very protective man, Josh. He was at your house. So when I read this and saw this, I just went, it's so good that the media's turned around because they could actually see really what was happening at Manly. A lot of the work that Siebes was doing around connectivity, around teamwork, around just getting to know each other as players. You know, some of the activities you might want to talk about as well that have helped move from what the media was saying to what they are now saying. Yeah, that's probably why I didn't talk too much on it. I don't really like talking about myself because it was an incorrect, um, you know, betrayal of us and I think um, that's why not many of us do like talking about it so I think when Steve's come in he, he one big area he wanted to do was connection I think that's just how he coaches footy I, I don't think it was any situational thing it was just like this is something that's really important and it is you know you want to be connected as a footy team you want to be able to go out there together and you know you've got each other's back so that was one of the many events we did we played there's a few golf days there where you'd mix up the teams and and you'd get to know someone that you don't normally, you know, hang with. Who, who was the worst golfer? Sabi was bad, but, but he was bad. But Josh Alloway was by he couldn't hit a golf ball. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> he, he can hit with gloves. I, I'd rather play golf with him than get in the boxing ring. I'll smash him. But anyway, um, <laughs> you know, I'm going to show that this, to yeah. him. <laughs> Do not show that to him. But uh, horrible golfer. I, I was teamed with, there was about five of us. And I was, um, they, were, they were well and truly on my back. I was carrying them around the golf course, but uh, it was good. It was, you get to know different people and because you get stuck in a training environment, you often don't get to um, go to a deeper level of connection with, with a lot of people and those opportunities allow it to and, and they're really important for us. One of the other activities that we've done that Seeb's brought in is Triple H. 
where you get uh, players to sit in front of their, their teammates, other players, and support staff have done this as well, and talk about a hero, a hardship and a highlight. What, what have you learnt from that activity, uh, both doing and, and seeing other players and support staff go through that? I think the importance of being vulnerable in a, in a team setting. and uh, You've got to show that you're not afraid to you know, show your weaknesses and, and you know, what, what has hurt you in the past and, and stuff like that. And that allows a, a team to connect on a deeper level. And if you're able to do that, uh, you can move forward together and, and achieve greatness. And I, I really think that's been a great activity. I've got to know people in our team a lot differently, a lot more. And, and it's um, really fascinating to see where people have come from to get where they are today. I'm excited about season 2024, set as a true optimist. It's going to be a massive year next year. Does any NRL or any sports supporter not say that? Our opening game is in Las Vegas. First, the Rabbitohs. Do you reckon Sebes will let you out to have a look around? I don't think they have a choice. <laughs> no, look, uh, it's going to be an awesome experience to, to play over there. Like not many people have got to do it, to go over to Vegas and play a game of rugby league and... I'm sure the American crowd will take us on board and it'll be an awesome experience. A big part of that is rugby league, like all sports are looking for competition and looking at markets. So there's a whole bunch of players who play NFL who are like low 10-2, 10-4, 100 metre runners who can't get on an NFL team. It'd be pretty good to have some of those. Another couple of Toulouse or Jason Saab yeah, We've got around. a couple of quick guys on the edge, so um, not too sure where they fit in our side, but look, it, it's a great opportunity to expand our game to an international market and uh, they've done a great job setting it up. Let's get the crystal ball. So we've looked at you growing up, we've looked at DNA, we've looked at the highlights of 2021, that, that ridiculous, crazy, amazing year. We've learned about setbacks, to even having an MRI and listening to yourself, <laughs> writing books, uh, we've spoken a lot about love with your teammates, with your brothers. Crystal ball. What do the next few years look like for you? Let's start with NRL. What does it look like? And then go for me, what does it look like outside of sport as well? Yeah, well, I know this is probably stereotypical, but I'm really optimistic for the, the 2024 season. I you know, spoke about how I feel like our side's got a really good culture set in stone, and now we've got some new guys coming in that's really gonna add to us. So I just feel like as a team, we're, we're right and ready to, to um, perform really well. So I, I can't wait to get back out there in 2024, off the field, who knows? Um, hopefully another book if you guys get your credit cards out. Um, <laughs> no, I'm only joking, but who knows? Uh, look, I, I really enjoy challenging myself off the field. I think it's important as, a, as an athlete to, to, to do that, and I'll continue to seek opportunities that, that I really enjoy doing. What about post-career? Have you got excited today? You want to go join the Air Force, Army, Navy, work for APS, or do you think you might stay in sport? Oh, look, I think I'll, I'll probably stay in sport. Um, I don't mean to be rude. I have a lot of respect for what you guys do. Um, but yeah. Look. The last couple of years, because I've had season-ending injuries very early, I've got the opportunity to, to go out there and you know, do a bit of coaching. And it's something that I've really enjoyed doing. And, and it's a real different challenge. And I, I just love the game so much. And just learning more about it and learning how, you know, your coaching staff are thinking, et cetera, has been really fascinating to me and it's something that I definitely would want to do in the future. So uh, that's something that uh, hopefully is not, hopefully is a while away, sorry, not, not too far away. It's a while away. I can keep playing footy for a long time and, and we'll cross that bridge when we need to. We'll get a couple of microphones. We'll ask a few questions in the crowd, then we'll do our group panel. Uh, while we're just spinning in some time on that, 
you, uh, you're wearing the coaches' outfits, so they decked you looking like all the assistant coaches. There was a game, I think it was the second last game of the season. You came in, you're all dressed, you looked immaculate in your coach's gear, and you said something to Daly Cherry Evans, and he just laughed at you and said, look at your kit. Do you want to talk to me about that? What happened? Oh, yeah, it was half-time of the game, and, um, you know, you, you, you can't pass on too much to a player at half-time, but you, you try and you do what you can. As a coach, sorry, I'm, I'm talking like I'm a veteran, I'm not. Um, so it was something I just tried to give him a, a, a little tip on what to think of when he's out there, and he just laughed at me and goes, look what you're wearing, and just walked <laughs> off, and I went, that just sums him up. You know, he's so, such a, such a great, you know, person, great, um, he just backs his ability, and... Um, you're trying to help him, and he just ripped into you for your clothes. Yeah, he did. He's a funny man. He's a bit like that. So, um, you know, he's a great leader to have and, and to, you know, play along. I played alongside him for, you know, nine years now. So um, we've got that relationship where we can do that. But it was quite funny. Well, open up. Uh, if you just want to put your hand up and ask a question, we've got some roving mics. And I've uh, got one here, the gentleman with the beard. You know, have some fantastic team by you, so well as the Australian team, obviously, great football team now, manly. What does a coach, what can a coach do in all those circumstances to get the team to come together and get the best performance out of the team? Yeah, it's different. It's different at a, co at a you know, manly level to New South Wales or Australia. Like, when you look up there, it's just about inspiring. It's about bringing, bringing people together and inspiring them to achieve something. And, uh, you know, I've had some, you know, Brad Fittler and, and Mal Meninga, who are two great players and great coaches, and, and that's, that's what they look to do. They just want to inspire you to achieve something together. And on a base level at Manly, it's, you know, about making you a better footy player. Um, it's, it, well, you've got to bring everyone together, but then we've got to make you a better footy player and buy into, um, you know, the game plan and what you're trying to do. So, you know, I've had some really good coaches, um, you know, Sieves been awesome it's been such a change from from Desi um, you know he's brought in some new philosophies and new ideas and it's just about us collectively you know understanding them what's our role in them and then buying into them moving forward so um, yeah, it's, a, it's a really challenging change for a, a lot of people and it's one that I've, that I've enjoyed yes can we pass the microphone up the front here Ange? I might need a mic. oh we'll just do it for everyone else yeah and if you've got a question after, you just pop your hand up and we'll run a mic to you next. So if you want to do next. First of all, congratulations on the career so far. Thank you. Secondly, it's just one of the weird and very free books. Got a good voice, I'm all stuck. Question I've got is around the band of Europe, uh, Moby in 2020. Um, as leaders of young people and that, what's something you can uh, give us to, to encourage them to, to see their person in the mirror uh, and, and change some of their habits to become the best they can become? It's probably understanding your purpose. If you can understand, you know, what you think you're putting this earth to do, whether it be make people smile or, you know, be it, provide for your family, whatever it is, the sooner you can understand what you think you, you're putting this out to do, then I think you can apply yourself to do that. And that's all, that's all it was. I, I just thought to myself that I'm not being true to myself, I'm not being true to my family, and I'm letting a lot of people down here. And I wasn't ridiculous, it just wasn't giving 100% of myself to what I love doing. And, and I realised that and I took that on board and 
I change things in my life and, and I feel like I'm a lot better for it. Can I add one little observation to that as well? I've learned a lot from your industry about leadership and followership. And, and with my corporate background, it was like the leader, you lead and there's others that follow, but it's a very different term in the military that you, know, you, you learn how to be part of a group and part of a team and you are at the same level as a person. We're moving away from the hierarchy. Uh, Dean, this is a lot of what you've taught us as well, uh, Commander Thompson, that the Navy has changed. You did a wonderful podcast. We've had so much feedback about that where you spoke about your evolution through the Navy, but how it was very different when you started a couple of decades ago. And it was a real command and a hierarchy. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. That's changed a lot in the Navy. And we're just blessed that we're here to do this program with you. That's a part of that. But what I see with you an example was I took my young son, Archer, who just loves NRL, loves athletes. And, and it was a uh, game two, no game, uh, yeah, two against Parramatta at Manly this year. And Arch came to the dressing room and, and Tom, you came up and we had a quick chat and you said, oh, this is your young fella. I said, yeah, this is Archie. And you said, hi, I'm Tom. And he looked up at you and said, yeah, I know exactly who you are. <laughs> <laughs> then Daly Cherry Evans walked past, quick chat, oh, DCE, this is my son Archie. Hello, I'm Daly. And then brother Jake came along. Maisie, you had a bit of a chat. There was something Jake had going to do before the game. He was quite excited, let me know. He hugged me, actually. He was all sweaty and I can still remember this. I said, oh, this is my young fella, Archie. He said, oh, g'day, I'm Jake. And I just went away from that day going, this is, it's what you talk about, Dean, that's changing in, in the Navy and defence. It's being at people's level. And, and I see you do that really well. So do you acknowledge that? And that's what I've seen, you know, really changing in your industry. And I've seen Tom and a number of our players do that as well. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I've actually found that when I look back at my career, that's something that, that has changed. You know, when I come into the NRL back in, you know, 2015 and I was involved um, with Manly uh, NRL squad, you know, we had some guys up there like, you know, your Brett Stewart's, your Jamie Lyons, Steve Manise, who were great at the game. And, you know, I, I, I was you know, respected them so much that I would... Whatever they say, you know, you do, and I would look up to them, and I would never say anything wrong against them whatsoever. But I think that's all changed as, as we've come through, um, similarly to you guys, it's it, it changed in society. And, and nowadays, you know, I feel like I'm a leader within, my te within our team, sorry, and one thing I need to do as a leader is, you know, whoever comes in, I've got to bring myself down to their level first for us to grow as, as, a, as a team. And, and that's something that the sooner you can do that, the sooner you can get the new guys that come into your squad talking up in meetings, whatnot, and providing their opinion, the better you're going to be as a team. And I think that's just the way society's moved. And it's something that, you know, I've definitely recognised and the coaches have recognised that, that we need to all be on one level, bring yourself down to their level so we can move forward. Great question. Okay, so you mentioned the importance of having a wide set of skills and trying, trying out a lot of different things like sports. I was just wondering, at what point do you make that switch into specialising? Because I know from experience it can be quite demoralising doing all these different things but being quite mediocre at them or just not average and not seeing other people excel at everything that you do. Yeah, I probably don't have a you know black and white answer for you here, but for me, you know, I, I did you know four or five sports a year until I was about 15, 16 years old. And then, you know, as you, uh, with, with, I always loved NRL the most. So I always thought that's what I was gonna do. Um, well, that's what I wanted to do, sorry. But at that age, it was like, 
all right, you're training four times a week, you're also doing HSC, you need to make a decision here and, and, and do that. So for me, it was at that age where I, I needed to make that decision. I, I probably can't answer your question and say, um, when's the best time you need to specialise? Because I'm not sure what, what situation you are in, but um, yeah, that's, that's my answer. Sorry if that doesn't uh, give you too much. One more question for Tom. Yeah, you put your hand, oh, I've got five hands going up, but you're the biggest guy in the room. <laughs> you, you scare me. Uh, and then uh, one here as well, so we'll do these two. First of all, I just want to say, um, I just want to memorise that in some posts, so I know your pain is getting locked in somewhere that can't move. When you said that, I've been watching you, uh, looking at all those highlights, and you're a very humble person. How have you been able to come How you able to tackle your feelings about all that and then come through it? Are you saying my feelings about being humble, etc. or...? Uh, for all your injuries and like all the press media, like all the news would be very against you, even though it wasn't. Yeah, I, I, I've talked a little bit about today, but it, it just came back to accepting everything. Like the sooner I could accept that, you know, the injuries happen, the sooner I could get better and move forward. The sooner I accept that media is a part of our game, what makes our game so big, what it's so important for our game, except that negatives are going to come your way, they're not going to affect you. So that's how I kind of deal with it. Like, you know, if someone writes a negative story about me tomorrow, I don't need to read it. People will send it to me, I don't need to read it because I just understand they're just doing their job. Like I'm going to go out there and do the best, do my job the best I can. And it just when you accept that that's part of it, you can kind of deal with it and just, it just doesn't really phase you at all. But it was something I did struggle with definitely early on in my career. Like, you have people write one little bit of negative and, you know, I would watch all the shows and I'd watch, you know, your NL 360s and you have the Daily Telegraph app and you would, you would, you know, love when they're talking good about you, but when they didn't, it was, you were outraged by it. So I just kind of understood that that wasn't healthy. So what can I do? And I just really started to try and accept it. Look, they're going to say bad things because, you know, it's just part of it. They're just doing their job and I'll just do the, my job the best I can. Yeah, so my question is about coming uh, back from injury. Um, you said that one of the biggest things is that you, you've got a lot of the footy, you've got a lot of the uh, leg, and that's what really gets you back. Obviously, there's times where you can't do the training that you want to do. Um, what kind of techniques, what kind, what kind of mental things do you do to get back um, training again? Uh, and from, from my personal experience, I had a back injury in 2020, had surgery, and couldn't do anything, was in a low space. Um, and I'd love to know what kind of techniques some people do, because I don't really want to go through uh, the adversity and what I'd like to go through. Yeah, yeah. it's a um, really good question. I think when I talked about it originally, it was I you know, could never accept my injuries because I wasn't doing whatever I can to, to you know, be the best footy I could play and it was hard, you know, I was edgy, I, I wanted to rush everything, I wanted to do this, do that now, I need to rush, I need to get back out there, I feel like I'm letting people down, like what am I doing? Um, so now, my advice would be, you know, as soon as you can accept what's happening to you, um, you know, well, I'm lucky, I, 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 when you do get injured, you kind of get given a timeline of what, what you know, your, your return to play schedule is like, and, uh, you know, once I get that, you know, I've accepted my injuries because I haven't let anyone down. It's just what happens in life and in footy. 
then I can put together what do I want to do over the next four weeks? What's my mission? What do I want to improve? And then after that, I you know, set another goal. What's my next mission? What do I want to get better at? Not only with my injury as an athlete. So when I come back, I can be better for it. Can I just ask you to go a little bit deeper on mission? Because I know that's something we've spoken about. We've got another question here. Even just that framing for, for people in the room in military, that's really your language, right? You might go on a mission to the Chinese Sea for two or three months, or you might be you know, down training in Arnhem Land. So just, just give us a little bit more about that, that mindset of the mission. Well, it's kind of back to the old saying, like, for instance, I've got a pec injury at the moment. Um, you know, in the last four or five weeks of training, it's probably the train, hardest I've trained all year, because what did I want to achieve? I wanted to uh, break a four, you know, 30 Bronco, which is um, a fitness test we do. Horrible, horrible, and, that's, and it's a really good score. Yeah, it looks like 431, it's still burning me, but anyway, we'll have another go at it soon. Um, and I wanted to improve my speed and get faster. I could really focus on that because I knew I couldn't achieve everything I want to do with this. I need to keep working on that, building that, but hey, what's, what can I do? I can get fitter, I can get faster, so let's go out there and do it. Yeah, thanks Tom, uh, for your time this afternoon. I'm just interested after, when we hear about the stats from 2021 and the year you had there, as a, as a professional athlete, how, do you, how does that sit with you and how do you uh, use that success uh, for the future moving forward? Is it something you just marvel at or is it a, something that you achieve to repeat or do better or is it something that you look at later on? Well, the, the great thing about our game is it's not individual. So when, when Andrew and Maisie reads out those stats, like it doesn't mean much to me because it's not an individual game, it's a team game and ultimately we didn't win the premiership. And that's what we want to do. So it doesn't really phase me too much um, and I don't really like talking about it because of that. We're, we're a team sport and um, you know, what, what can you measure is winning a premiership. So. I'm still driven to do that. Um, you know, individual things come on the back of that, but ultimately it's a, you want to achieve greatness as a team. And, and it's something that I haven't had too much of it at Manly and I, I really, really want to achieve that. So um, that's what keeps me motivated to keep working hard. Let's uh, wrap this up with a flip. Is there a final message you'd like to give to the audience? Is there a question that you had prepared for that I haven't asked you, that you really want to be asked? Or is there a question you want to ask me or someone in the organising committee today? Question. I don't, I don't have a question, but I just wanted to say like how honoured and privileged I am to be here. Like, I know when Maisie come to me and, and ask me to do this, and you know, someone that's not done many of these uh, public speaking roles before, it, it was a bit nerve wracking at the time, but when I kind of broke it down and you know, I have a lot of respect for what everyone does in this room and what they do for our country. So, I'm just really honoured and privileged to be here and, and the fact that you're possibly learning off some of my experiences and life lessons, it's really quite humbling and you know, it, I'm just really grateful, honestly. I'm just going to give a little bit more context on that. We sat down a couple of months ago, we had two goals, you know, I'll, I'll keep one separate. This is one, okay, you've achieved, well done. Thank you. Now, what did we exactly... <laughs> Do you remember what we, we exactly spoke about? You said you want to do a little bit more speaking. What did I say? I said, we'll start with... Yeah, we'll start small and build it. Um, <laughs> right, but a bit of background on that, actually. So when I hurt myself last year, it was in uh, 2022, um, my girlfriend, Christy's dad, Clive, he, he runs a company where he provides advice um, you know, and training to 
big corporates and one of his areas he um, trains his presentation when that happened he goes look i know you're going through a hard time right now with the injury i would love to help you get better at certain things in life and uh, he put together 10 programs that we're going to do 10 to our courses and one of them was presenting and um you know clive he's, he's a great guy and I've, I've learned a lot from what he gave me in those things but one thing he said is you never turn down an opportunity um, so we'll thank him for being here and we'll also thank Maisie because uh, he put it together. So uh, I'm sure Big Clive will have a listen to this and uh, provide me some feedback. So thanks, mate. <laughs> oh, you said, didn't say you're going to get you in front of 400 people. Well done. Thank you for being so open. Thank you for sharing your story. And thank you for the audience as well for your great questions, some wonderful questions and your participation. Can you join me in a big round of applause for Tom Kovojevic? at the time but when I kind of broke it down and you know I have a lot of respect for what everyone does in this room and what they do for our country so I'm just really honoured and privileged to be here and, and the fact that you're possibly learning off some of my experiences and life lessons it's really quite humbling and you know it, I'm just really grateful honestly. I'm just going to give a little bit more context on that we sat down a couple of months ago we had two goals you know I'll, I'll keep one separate this is one okay you've achieved well done. Thank you. Now, what did we exactly... <laughs> do you remember what we, we exactly spoke about? You said you want to do a little bit more speaking. What did I say? I said, we'll start with... Yeah, we'll start small and build it. Um... <laughs> right, but a bit of background on that, actually. So when I hurt myself last year, it was in uh, 2022, um, my girlfriend, Christy, dad, Clyde, he, he runs a company where he provides advice um, you know, and training to big corporates. And one of his areas, he um, trains his presentation. When that happened, he goes, look, I know you're going through a hard time right now with the injury. I would love to help you get better at certain things in life. And, uh, we put together 10 programs that we're gonna do, 10 to our courses, and one of them was presenting. And, um, you know, Clive, he's, he's a great guy, and I've, I've learned a lot from what he gave me in those things. But one thing he said is you never turn down an opportunity. Um, so we'll thank him for being here and we'll also thank Maisie because uh, he put it together. So uh, I'm sure Big Clive will have a listen to this and uh, provide me some feedback. So thanks, mate. <laughs> oh, you said, didn't say you were going to get you in front of 400 people. Well done. Thank you for being so open. Thank you for sharing your story. And thank you for the audience as well for your great questions, some wonderful questions and your participation. Can you join me in a big round of applause for Tom Kovojevic? Back in the studio, we've packed up in Canberra. We've had a couple of days to downregulate, Ange. It's been a busy week. It has, and it was such an exhilarating event as well. We love being in the room with people, and the Integrated Masterclass Series is just one of those that I love. I love doing live events. Remember we convinced ourselves during COVID lockdowns in this studio where we're recording right now, Ange, oh, it's okay, like it's actually quite fun doing all these events. You can pop up anywhere. I find as a presenter, when I wear that hat, there is nothing better than being in a room with hundreds of people. In fact, the day before the podcast we just played for you, I was in that same room with 1,200 graduates. The energy was contagious. It was a great event, loved it. But let's talk about the interview with Tom. What were your reflections? What did you learn uh, during that interview? Because you were there with me, Ange, running that whole event. 
Yeah, I ran the Q&A session at the end of it. I'm not a footy fan, so I know nothing about football. So when you... All right, interview over. Wiz, <laughs> come and jump on the microphone, champ. Wizard, what is... <laughs> Fired. <laughs> I, no, that's one of the things that we bring, and we've had feedback recently at the diversity. We're not just talking to jocks about jock stuff. So, yeah, I'm really curious on your your lens on this, Ange. Yeah, so I was going to say I'm not a huge fan of football, so I don't know who Tom is. And when we brought him in to talk to everybody on stage, I wasn't sure what to expect. I didn't really know him. I only really met him during our session in Canberra. Well, first thing you said to me is, how come all these footballers you bring are so tall? (laughs) That doesn't surprise me, though, uh, that they are tall. Um, I think what's surprising is how... Footballers, I think, get a bad rap when it comes to stereotypical footballers that don't have any sensitivity or they're just all about muscles and brawn. But Tom actually demonstrated a much more sensitive side. He is actually very intelligent and articulate. And I think one of the biggest takeaways that I had was when he spoke, we were talking about the topic of mental toughness. And Dr. Susie, who spoke before you and Tommy, spoke about mental toughness being four things. Confidence, commitment, control and challenge. And as Tom was speaking about his experience, I was actually going through and ticking off all each of those elements. And he spoke about different examples that brought out how he demonstrates mental toughness being a footballer. So that was one of the things that surprised me the most. I knew Dr. Susie was going to be speaking about the four C's. And I was also sitting there having this parallel thought, you know, I sometimes have, I think of it like two processes. So one is you're in the conversation and one you're above or looking at the conversation. And even as I'm talking to Tom, and we, we didn't word him up on this, it was, it was natural. I was doing the same going, yeah, he's spoken about confidence and commitment, but it was in his own language, so it was really authentic. I had a couple of takeouts on this, and, and I wrote about it the following morning because I wanted to capture it while it was fresh. In fact, I had three. The first one was the love and connection with family, and you could hear the quiver in his voice, and I, I, I feel moved. I got goosebumps as I'm talking about it. Just the love he said from Jake. You know, Jake was taking the piss a little bit about him being so competitive, and Tom went, yeah, I'll, I'll own that. Like, yeah, I did sulk, I did cry, but I got to bat again. That was hilarious. But when I finished playing back what Jakey had said, he just said, oh, that's beautiful. And, and you could see live, he was moved, and there was a moment where he just sat in it, and the audience felt it. It was just that, that beautiful love you get from, like you said, a so-called, in inverted commas, tough, brawn footballer who brought that love and connectivity. And I even mentioned in the interview, he's made me want to reach out and connect more with my brother. So, Tom, thank you for that. The second one for me, and, and I knew this because I've, I've had the opportunity to work with Tom in the mental skills area to build on the great work he's already done, but the determination and that link with the tough mindset to get through what he's done. So when I listened back to this episode, I just thought, he's such a good example to any person, not just an athlete. If you go through hardship and you go through setback, you can do one of two things. You can spiral down, broaden and build theory. You know, the, the thoughts we have, the experiences we have can either broaden and build down, or you can suspend, be present, be mindful, do the reps and sets, do the work, and broaden and build up. So another parallel port I was running, Ange, during the interview was, 
This is such a beautiful example of broaden and build theory that Tom has used his mindset, he's used his determination to make him stronger. And he's still so young, so there's you can only imagine where he can go from here. Well, when you mentioned about that human connection side about his family, that's the other thing I wrote about in terms of one of my takeaways, that he demonstrated such a warmth, a warmth towards his family, a warmth towards his teammates, and also a deep respect for his fans as well. So I think Tom is such a great role model for young boys and girls out there, whether or not they're interested in sport or not. I just think he's just a beautiful human being. And he was so thankful. Like even at the end, he was coming up and I know he thanked you, he thanked me, he thanked Wizard and Dean. He just really loved the opportunity. And as I said during the interview, one of the areas that Tom said he wanted to work on with me was speaking in front of a group so to get a few more skills. And then when I rang him up and said, hey, mate, I've got a gig for you. It's 450 to 500 people. He went, I thought he was going to say no. He went, yeah, yeah, let's run at it. And, and I really appreciate that. How he went, yeah. It's going to make me bloody nervous. I'm shit scared doing it. But he ran at it and put in the reps and sets, put in the work. Uh, but it was authentic in front of the audience as well. He said, I'm a little bit nervous and I don't feel super comfortable talking in front of a live group. And you could see a lot of the big dogs in the audience go, oh, well, I didn't expect that. And it was refreshing. And I, I have to admit that when I did meet Tom before the event, we just had a one-on-one conversation more about logistics so he knew where to go how to get there etc he's quite introverted and he's softly spoken so I was actually I didn't share this with you at the time but I was a bit worried how is he going to be on stage so I was really pleasantly surprised how articulate he was and how vulnerable and how authentic he was on stage I think we make the mistake and and I want to be really clear you can't just put a bracket she's an introvert he's an extrovert and, and, and everything's either black or white. But you're right, introversion on Carl Jung's definition, where you draw energy, like Tom will like some space away from the game and likes to do you know, the study he's done, the finance he's done, the reading, just to get away from it. And then he recharges from that, whereas some people you know, need to be in front of people. And that was a, a killer for COVID when people were working remote. I, I knew he'd deliver because I just know what he's like, his personality, and even the work we saw he did behind the scenes without getting into it too much for this. It's just how he turns up with everything. The other third point that I really want to touch on is art imitating reality. I mentioned during the interview that any time I've been out with him, we see even after games, kids just go to him. It's like a bee to a honeypot. How do you process that? How do you feel about it? And he said that when he was a kid, he had some players who were really respectful towards him. He said it's just the nature of the game. We spoke about the MRI and he hopped in there and turned it on. You're in the MRI for 30 to 40 minutes. And he said, oh, yeah, I'll choose the radio. And then smooth, 95.3. And then breaking news, Tom, and he couldn't get out of it. So we were having a laugh about that in the interview. At the end of the day, we'd literally been packed up for about 10 minutes. You know, there's a bunch of people talking to us at the front, sorry. A bunch of people talking to Tom and you and I are hanging out, talking to a few who are waiting to talk to Tom. And he came up and said, Maisie, look at this. And I won't say the journalist's name because I don't have permission. There's a well-known rugby league journalist had sent him a message saying, look, confirm or deny that you having lunch at a coffee shop near the Raiders headquarter in Braddon. It's all across the newspapers. Are you meeting with Ricky Stewart? And he went, you could not write this shit. There we are talking about the life as a high-profile footballer and you go somewhere and people report on it. While we were talking about that, literally, some punter, some fan had taken a photo of Tom and some ball bloke 
really athletic, lean, sexy looking model. They'd taken a photo of Tom and I at a coffee shop and then it was run in the Canberra Times when we were driving home, Wiz. We swapped driving. You took the wheel for a bit after McDonald's. Healthy meal at McDonald's. So I got bagged by you guys. And then it was in the Canberra Times. It was in the Daily Telegraph. They ran a story on Channel 7 and even got a, a message from my ex-wife, uh, hi Nina, um, Archer and Mickey's mum, who works in the Channel 10 newsroom saying that uh, there was a photo and video of me talking to Tom and she'd seen it across all of the newscasts. Unbelievable how that, what we thought was a lunch before we went to go and do the half day workshop and we're literally just talking about the content, created a story that was totally incorrect but just magnified what we were talking about. So that was art imitating reality. I heard, I didn't know what was going on, but I remember as we were walking out and Tom looking at his phone going, my phone is blowing up. And then the subsequent story unfolded. It must have been a slow news day that day. But I just don't, uh, I, I can only appreciate how much pressure these kids are under. They're there to play football and their every move is scrutinised. And the pressure that they must feel every point they turn everything is in the public eye so I really admire how he was able to handle that in the moment and then afterwards as well I think he put out a comment and just brushed it off but I just can't imagine living with that fame and that everybody not just you know wanting there's the nice side which is people that love and support you and want to take your autograph and take a picture but then there's that dark side too isn't there? The nice side is you get remunerated for it the better you are at any sport the more you're paid and you get sponsorships and might get a car and other stuff outside as well Tom articulated it beautifully in the interview so when all that happened we knew he was going to be okay because he said that just comes with the job so he's just now worked that into his job description that's something you have to deal with and I talk about this a lot on the performance intelligence podcast it's that mindfulness based acceptance if you know that you've got some pain coming up if you know that there's some parts in your business life or your personal life that's not great rather than trying to fix it all the time if you can compartmentalize that and go hey I know that's there it's not ideal but I can focus on the other parts of my life so that mindfulness based approach and Tom does that beautifully yeah and that whole person approach to how he has you know strong relationships with his family how he has strong relationships with his team he's a footballer but he also is developing other skills he's also got a financing career and, and Andrew you spoke about this whole person concept you're not just a career it's not just who are you I I work for the defense force and that's it but you're a whole person there and there are multiple factors to that yeah I, I spoke about that in the opening keynote that you know who are you we have the background music who 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 I really want to know and a lot of people answer that so what do you do ah oh, I'm Angela and I work at Stride Stronger or Angela who worked at KPMG what else well you're a mother you're an artist you're a Pilates enthusiast, you know, you're building a digital platform and it's the sum of the parts that makes a much more interesting whole. And I haven't done work on this with Tom, he just knows that intuitively and he's learned that, that, yeah, I'm a footballer, but on many other parts as well. I really liked during the discussion how he also said, I just want to be a good person. And then you could just, I, I did, I looked up at that, that stage, I looked around the room and you could just see people smiling. It was a beautiful moment. Uh, one other thing I learned from Tom is 
he's not going to give away his books. <laughs> like, here I am going, there's a book, there's a book. Um, some of my mates take the piss and say the only reason we've got to over 100,000 sales of match fit is because I've given 99,500 away. <laughs> and someone asked Tom for a, a book. He said, oh, you can buy it, mate. It was hilarious. So well done, Tom. I've got a lesson from you in how to sell more books. Uh, and wrap us up. Final message, final thought. What I love about what we're doing with Defence in this integrated mindset masterclass is the different people that I get to meet, the different people that you're bringing in, Andrew, to speak at these events. They are high performers, but at the end of the day, they're also human. So to get to know them beneath the facade and the glitz and all the glory and to understand who they are has just been really rewarding for me to learn from them but also just as a developing these human to human connections has been really wonderful experience and I wouldn't get that opportunity elsewhere to get to meet these caliber of people and to learn from them so I've been really enjoying this series that we've been doing with defense 